I went to the dermatologist's office to get it all checked out. But long story short, androgenic alopecia, so genetic mm. hair loss. And of course, when I got that diagnosis and news, I was devastated. I mean, as also an actress and a model, I seriously thought that my career was over. Mm. You mentioned balding. And you know what? Had I thought about balding early on when you first asked me how comfortable I am, I think I would have changed my answer. Mm. Throughout history and cultures, hair is seen as an important aspect of beauty. For women, hair is often associated with femininity, youthfulness, and is deeply ingrained in our societal beauty standards. But it's not just for women, men deal with this too. The media often portrays men with full heads of hair as more attractive and successful, which can create unrealistic expectations and lead to feelings of inadequacy for men who don't fit into that mold. Hair has the power to transform a person's appearance, and it's often the first thing people notice about someone. In fact, studies have shown that hair is one of the most important factors in first impressions. A survey conducted by Dove in 2019 found that eight out of 10 women feel pressure to wear their hair a certain way, to fit in with societal beauty standards, and that hair is one of the top things women feel judged on by others. So it's safe to say that this is an important aspect of our appearance and can affect how we feel about ourselves and how we're perceived by others. So this episode, as you can tell, is all about that hair because it's closely tied with our sense of identity and self-expression. If a bad haircut or bad hairstyle doesn't suit us, we can be self-conscious and insecure, but on the flip side, a good hair day. Oh, that touches on things that goes beyond looking good. This is Uniquely Milwaukee. It's everything you love about community stories, but more in depth. Giving the stories the time and attention they deserve. Changing perspective one episode at a time. I'm your host, Salam Fathayed, and this is Uniquely Milwaukee. Stories that stick with you. So this episode element is all about hair and we're also going to be bringing in men to talk about, you know, their relationships with their body. Mm-hmm. But briefly, do you think hair is important? Oh my goodness, hair is definitely important. And we all know that it's just protein, right? We yeah. know that it's it serves no purpose, but <laughs> but for us it really does, like, honestly, we know that it keeps our head warm and we could style it, make it look beautiful. Mm-hmm. It tells a part of our personality, but yeah. it has really become this societal necessity mm-hmm. related to beauty. Oh, yeah. I, I'll say, like, like I got bangs a few months ago and mm-hmm. I loved it walking out of the salon. Mm-hmm. And then I had to style it after I took a shower. And it really, I was just like, I am no longer... Not, I don't want to say like I'm no longer pretty, but I was like, oh, my whole face is ruined. <laughs> like I have to wait months for this to outgrow. Yeah. And it really does play a little bit of like, you just kind of get self-conscious about it if you don't, you're not having a good hair day. 
Right. I completely agree. So the first person I spoke to for this episode is Yomari Cassiano. Mm-hmm. And she is a burst of energy. She's very present when you meet her. And I'm going to be honest, I did this interview with her at like 5 p.m. on a Friday and I was tapped out. I just <laughs> wanted to go home and I was just like, my energy was very low. And then Yomari came in and she just like, brought the room to life. Yeah. You could definitely hear that when you're listening to this episode. But she pulled out her tripod to film because she's a content creator mm-hmm. and she's a hair loss influencer with her Instagram account, Hair Loss Bonita. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's creating a safe space for women dealing with hair loss. So the first question right now is how do you feel in your body at this moment? I and- think... Given my my life's journey and my self-love journey mm-hmm. at this point in my life, I feel like a chingona. Like my body feels so strong, yeah. so powerful. I feel really comfortable in my skin. Mm-hmm. It's taken so many years for me to to get to this point. And of course, it's it's daily practice to feel comfortable in my body. But I I feel so strong. I'm happy that you are in this place right now. I, I see it radiating from you, which is really beautiful. But you mentioned the word journey and that it took you a very long time to get there. Do you mind giving us some color about that journey? What, what did that look like for you? Well, I think that for so many years, I tried to fit into this like definition of beauty, of what I'm supposed to look mm-hmm. like as a woman, what I'm supposed to act like and be like. And I think that my self-acceptance and my self-love started almost four years ago when mm-hmm. I decided to choose sobriety in my life. And once I got to that point, just turning inward and really getting to know who I am as a person and and diving in deep and learning who Yomari truly is, Mm -hmm. definitely made me realize that I am more than my body. I am more than what I look like, you know, my my roles in life, that I am Mm -hmm. a a human being and I'm here to, to take up space and just to like love. Yeah. You're the first person that brought up sobriety in this series. How do you feel before, you know, four years ago? How did that kind of deter you from that journey of self-love and acceptance? Mm. Well, for about 17 years, I spent my time numbing myself Mm. with alcohol. So I didn't have a, a positive relationship with alcohol. And the crazy thing is that I had no idea that I had a problem with mm-hmm. it. But once I, it all came down to me after so many rock bottoms that there's a problem that needed to to change. And it wasn't until I made that decision again, that that journey of self-love, mm-hmm. it's, it started then. And oh, I think about the joy and the peace and, and the self-love that I feel because of that decision and what sobriety has allowed me to, to do in my life. And, and that means like love and accept myself as I am. It's, yeah. it's just, I get all like in my feelings anytime I, I think about it. It looks like mental health is a big part of your journey. How did that play a role in finding that self-acceptance and self-love? Yes, uh, definitely. I can't really talk about self-love and acceptance without talking about mental health, Mm -hmm. without talking about therapy. Oftentimes people see me, they're like, oh my gosh, you're so happy. You're this, you're looking amazing. And 
I think to myself, well, first of all, it wasn't an overnight journey. Mm-hmm. But second of all, it's it years of therapy. Yeah. You know, I know that therapy <laughs> It's something that we obviously benefit from because it helps us heal. It helps us truly become the the versions of ourselves that we are meant to be. Yeah. What if you're someone that's like struggling to do that? You know, a lot of times, at least with uh, like body image and stuff or, you know, bouncing back to a place where you're comfortable. Sometimes your body can't do that. If you have depression, if you have things that like mobility issues and such, what advice would you give someone if they're in that hard place? I I would recommend therapy for sure, because I know that with working with a therapist, she helped me make the connections between like my thoughts, my mind, my body and how that's all connected. Because Mm -hmm. when it comes to life and, and trauma and things that we go through, We carry that in our bodies Mm -hmm. and until we heal it, it's going to be there and it's going to show up in the way that we present ourselves in the world. And I have to tell you, though, that therapy, it is not easy. Mm -mm. It is so hard. But let me tell you that when you get to the other side, there's nothing sweeter and nothing more beautiful than when you find that peace, that inner peace, that love and that acceptance where you can just show up fully and not hold anything back. So I am the founder of Hair Loss Bonita. It's a brand and it's a movement that mm-hmm. specifically helps women who are experiencing hair loss, whether it's alopecia, whether it's postpartum mm-hmm. or any kind of like medical condition, just like really step into their power, yeah. their self-love and confidence so that they can show up as the jingonas that they are in every aspect of their lives, especially when it comes to hair loss. That's something that we don't talk about. Mm-hmm. And the crazy part is that 50% of women will experience hair loss at some point in their lives. So why are we not talking about it? Why is this not something that's represented in society and media and all of the places? So I do talk about it. It's really important. And I think that sharing the message of showing up authentically and unsubscribing to the BS beauty standards um, and owning your individuality, how freeing that can be. But also it's a gift to others because why try to look like the Kim Kardashian or whatever when you can just show up as your beautiful self, like without having to change a thing. You mentioned that you're an advocate for hair loss. Do you mind speaking a little bit about how you became part of this role or why you're so passionate about this? Thank you for asking. Yes. So this was like back in like 2019. I was looking through my photos and one of them with mom that I was with my partner like the year before 2018 during Thanksgiving. I remember seeing myself and I'm like, wow. My hair looks different. Mm-hmm. And of course, I have noticed that my hair has thinned over the years. But at that point, it was very, very noticeable. So I went to the dermatologist's office to get it all checked out. But long story short, androgenic alopecia, so it's genetic mm-hmm. hair loss. And of course, when I got that diagnosis and news, I was devastated. I mean, as also an actress and a model, I seriously thought that my career was over, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, how how am I going to deal with this hair loss? And so what I did is I went on Instagram and I did the hashtag caída de cabello, you know, hair loss, hashtag hair loss. And 
I wanted to connect with other women that look like me. Mm-hmm. I connected with a lot of women. Sally, they were not. I don't. I didn't. Rem- I don't remember seeing any Latinas talking about hair loss, and I'm like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, that's a problem. When you have, I believe, is about seven million people in the United States that have alopecia. I think that's like 127, 26, 27 million worldwide. And I'm like, that is a problem. Why aren't people talking about mm-hmm. it? And so that's what led me to create Hair Loss Bonita. To create a space where women could see themselves, Latinas, women of color, represented because as we know right as you know representation matters Mm -hmm. and when we can see other people that look like us and how powerful that can Mm -hmm. be I remember seeing other women who also had androgenic alopecia showing up you know as their beautiful selves with their thinning hair and then rocking their wig and then rocking their thinning hair and how much of a difference that made in my life yeah like I'll never forget looking at one in particular thinking to myself you know what one day I'm going to be as confident as this woman is in her thinning hair. And I can happily say that I am in that place. And it's not always bunny rabbits and rainbows. Not every day is positive mm-hmm. or whatever. I, I mean, talking about hair loss is obviously something that I'm passionate about. But sharing vulnerably and openly is not so easy because I feel like I am really exposing myself, mm-hmm. right? And 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 sharing my insecurities with the, with the world. But I think that if we don't talk about it openly and honestly, nothing is going to change. And we're talking about bodies and we're talking about body positivity and beauty standards. And how are we going to break these stigmas and encourage people to show up as themselves if we don't talk about it. So here I am (laughs) talking about all things, beauty standards, hair loss, body positivity, and all all of those things, because I hope that women can see themselves and know that they are beautiful just as they are. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. You mentioned the word expose, and that just made me think of something. Do you think that there's this idea in society where our hair kind of ties into our femininity or our womanhood. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. hundred percent. I mean, I remember growing up being told, like, let your hair just grow long. Mm-hmm. You don't want short hair because that makes you look like a boy, Yeah. which, you know, it kind of does a number on you. Right. And so when I started losing my hair, of course, I'm questioning myself, my self-worth, my femininity. But now, honestly, I have a feeling that one day I'm just going to buzz my hair off and then just rock it like just that buzz cut. All the power to you. I love it. Thank you. Because (laughs) hair does not, you know, equal beauty. Mm -hmm. It does not equal femininity. It does not equal anything. Your worth, your your beauty, nothing is attached to your hair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No matter what society tells us. So we talked about your journey and your growth, but let's talk a little bit on the flip side. Have you had experience where you've been judged for it? I did, actually. On my hair loss page, Hair Loss Bonita, I I had a woman, sadly, who is bald, so dealing with alopecia herself, question me and my Mm. hair loss. So I had posted a photo of myself with my thinning hair, and I was like, the caption said something along the lines of, this is what androgenic alopecia looks like. Mm -hmm. And so 
having her question me and 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 my hair loss was yeah. rather hurtful especially coming from someone within the hair loss community that is so interesting so do you think there's this idea of what alopecia looks like or hair loss looks like and absolutely yeah if absolutely you have, if you're if you're just have thin hair then you're just like not qualifying for it exactly interesting i never because for me my idea <laughs> of of alopecia, what I thought was baldness, yeah. right? We don't think about women like myself with the thinning hair, yeah. or we don't think about the people with the patchy hair loss or, you know, everything in between. Yeah, It's like either baldness, but you don't see the representation of thinning hair. Isn't she such a light? Like she She's is so, so amazing. She, she, she has so much energy yeah. and she's such an amazing advocate for women who are going through this process of hair thinning, mm-hmm. of hair loss. But she represents a community that I think we don't even really acknowledge. If you are a mom, then you know what I'm about to mm-hmm. talk about. When you're pregnant, your hair is one of those things that just seems to flourish. It's like as the baby grows, your hair grows. It's thick, it's full, it's beautiful. And then once that baby comes out, the shedding process can be very traumatic. Mm -hmm. I was in the shower one day and I just kind of put my hands in my hair and clumps of hair came out. And I had no idea what was going on. I had never been taught this. They don't speak about it. But your hormones go back to normal. So all this beautiful hair that was growing and thick, it falls out. Mm -hmm. And you don't know what to do because hair is so tied to beauty. Yeah. And this is supposed to be a beautiful moment and you want to feel like yourself again, but you don't. One thing that surprised me is I asked her this question of like, have you ever been judged for it? Mm -hmm. And her answer really shocked me. I thought she was going to go being like, yeah, you know, people don't, you know, like a boyfriend or my family or other woman. But the fact that it was people in the hair loss community Mm -hmm. saying that, oh, you don't have alopecia because you're not bald, you still have hair. That's something that he didn't ever really consider. And so I think about the pressure of being someone that is the face of this, the face for Latina woman, because as she mentioned, there wasn't a space for it before that. And yet still being in this box and still not fitting in Mm -hmm. and And being criticized. There are women that we know and that are public figures who have spoken about alopecia. Erica Badu spoke about hers. And Mm -hmm. famously, you know, Jada Pinkett Mm -hmm. spoke about hers. And in both of their situations, it wasn't all of their hair. It was like a spot on their head. And even though it's a spot on their head that they feel like they could cover up with other hair, it was they know it's there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that kind of can cripple your self-confidence because even though you might have it covered, you feel like other people see this. Yeah. And it exposes something that you're really vulnerable about and you don't necessarily want people in on. But both of those women did exactly what she did. They came out and they spoke about it and they made it something that everybody can talk about, mm-hmm. which is losing your hair and thinning hair. Yeah. And women don't really talk about it. So no, it's no. always great to see women bring stories like this to the forefront because we're used to hearing this from men. Oh, right. Yeah, for sure. You know, speaking about men, we are halfway through the second episode. And so far, we only had the female perspective from last week's episode and with Yomari. Mm -hmm. Where do you think men fit in the body acceptance movement? I think it's a challenge. I mean, if you think about the two women that I just named, Erica Badu and Jada Pinkett, they've shaved their head bald. 
And even when women tend to shave their hair bald, especially actresses, they win Oscars, right? Yeah. You know, you they get have deeper vendetta. Yeah, you have you have all these these great things that come with women exposing their bald head because it's a thing, right? Yeah. If you think of Black Panther, these warrior women, yeah. and it, it's looked at as an option for women, right? But for men, it's it's probably something that they dread mm-hmm. because I think it's really associated with aging or not being healthy. Yeah. And men want to be young and vibrant as long as possible. And if you start losing your hair in your teens or your early 20s, what does that say about your identity when you're just stepping out into the world? Right. And I also think, you know, there's this a lot of pressure for men to be the caretaker, to be the defender. Mm-hmm. That I wonder if that ties with it. If you're losing your hair, you're getting older, then you're not equipped for that. So I think it's all kind of just like this big bubble that we never really hear. Yeah. I think we associate when men start losing their hair, they start losing their health. Mm. Think about the saying, a healthy head of hair. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And what does it say when you don't have that healthy head of hair? What yeah. does that say about you? Well, coming up next, we're going to hear that. Yusuf Aladdin gets close and personal talking about his body, hair, and height. And we examine a man's role in the body positive movement. Support for 88.9 comes from your membership and the Greater Milwaukee Foundation. Through the Greater Together campaign, the foundation and community work together to build a thriving Milwaukee for all. Partnership ideas at greatermilwaukeefoundation.org. The body positivity movement tends to center on women, and men tend to fall under the radar. This can be because men are a bit more reluctant to share, or maybe there isn't space for men to openly discuss. It's reasonable that the focus is largely on women. Women are disproportionately affected by body image disorders and eating disorders, but they affect men too. And it begs the question as to where men fit into the body positivity movement. This brings us to Yusuf Aladdin. For an entire month, I was interviewing folks and I've been searching for men to speak with, to talk candidly about body image. And I did speak to a few and they were great, but it just never went past the surface. And I packed it up to, it's probably me. I'm asking deeply personal questions to practically strangers. So last week, I decided to do one more ask, this time on my Instagram story. I posted on my story asking if any man would be interested in talking to me about their body, to have a real raw conversation, no BS. And Yusuf responded. He said, I'm open to talk about how hungry I am all the time. Just kidding, I'll do it. This is our conversation. And he actually does talk about how hungry he is. I asked every single person that I interviewed this mm-hmm. question to set the tone. Sure. And is how do you feel right now in your body? Well, right now, not to add any comedic effect to it, but I do feel hungry. Yeah. I am fasting. <laughs> it is the month of Ramadan, so I understand that. Yeah, yeah. it's the month of Ramadan. Uh, shout out to those fasting. But I feel comfortable right now, right? Mm-hmm. It's the end of winter into spring. Yeah. So we would get to wear baggy clothes and not be reminded of uh, different societal expectations. So I think that I'm more comfortable now. So do you think you're more comfortable in the wintertime when you're covered up rather than summer, spring, when you have to kind of adhere to those societal expectations? I think so. I think it's a reminder of, oh man, like I need to get my 
butt into shape. Yeah. And it's not always a bad thing, right? It's mm-hmm. It could be a challenge to be a better version of yourself. Yeah, I think yeah. if you have a healthy mindset of why you want to look better or to, you know, channel your own version of that, I think it can be healthy. But it's interesting that you answered right off the bat of, and you used the term like expectation. What are the expectations for men? Because for women, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, European features, you have to be thin. Mm-hmm. There's even like a whole sub thing for Arab women too. But for men, like, what is it that people expect you to look like? Well, when you asked your question, you mentioned that, you know, as an Arab woman, it's even more. Yeah. Right? There's like, an added layer. Mm-hmm. I think that we're in a more westernized society, right? So you have liberal influence. And with that, there are some, there's leniency with what that could mean. So, you know, as a man, I think you generally, generally speaking, there there could be an expectation of being masculine and that could be defined in different ways. But sometimes within that, it's it's maybe being in shape. It's maybe dressing a certain way, portraying yourself a certain way. Um, but again, I think that society is starting to change that definition. And I personally think that we, we shouldn't have these guidelines or parameters because everyone identifies very differently. Now, as an Arab man, you kind of need to take that a step further and really be that, I guess, masculine, strong, uh, firm. And when I say firm, it's, it's with your thoughts, your responses, uh, your stances. You know, you, you have to kind of always um, have the ball in your field type of attitude. Um, So that is usually expressed intrinsically and extrinsically um, when you are an Arab male or that's Mm -hmm. the expectation. Yeah. Yeah. Yusuf, you and I are really good friends. I think over 10 years of friendship. Yay to us. Yes, over a decade. (laughs) Yeah, which is amazing to think about. But um, can you go back to how you were when you were maybe like 16, 17 in the world of boyhood entering manhood? Can you paint a, a picture of how you were? Like physically how I was yeah, or like just, my mental state at that point? I guess just like your relationship with your body back then. Yeah. So I grew up in the time of like Zac Efron was a big thing. Yeah. And the Sweet Life on Deck twins. I can't even remember their name. The Sprouse Brothers. The Sprouse Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there was always this like expectation almost of like that's your ideal male is you had that surfer hair that you that covered you know your eyebrows and your yeah. eyes and tan and buff and you beachy were, boy yeah, yeah like you you were that you had to kind of follow that look to be attractive because that's what girls mm. liked in high school and in middle school um so i think that in in high school i started kind of going to certain retailers that would try to sell that image so like Hollister and Abercrombie and Fitch and you know those were the big brands that those cool guys were wearing so you want to try to resemble that look and I remember being that age and just trying to align with that I Mm -hmm. guess from like a retail perspective because obviously like I didn't look like that so if I wore that maybe I can try to resemble what I saw and you're a very fashionable man do you think, and I'm only asking this question because I know how some people think about this, is that do you think as a man, this idea of being into fashion, into taking care of yourself, into looking a certain way is tied with your masculinity? Or um, in some people, if you if you care too much about that, then your lack of masculinity? 
Yeah, so I, I think that people tie it together, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, if you tend to dress nicer sometimes as a male in maybe Arab society, it could mean a couple of different things. Sometimes it means that you're from a classy family. Um, there's a there's a word in, in Arabic called raqi, like mm-hmm. you're dressing nice, yani raqi, which uh, is, is not a bad thing to be labeled. But then, you know, sometimes if you're really into your look and your style and you're very put together, then there's questions around, hey, he's not so rough around the edges. So what does that mean? How masculine is he? Or how feminine is he? Yeah. And then um, those are the, the types of stereotypes that start to bubble up when a man tends to be more fashionable or take care of himself. Yeah. Have you ever been judged for the way that you look? Not in a serious way. Okay. I mean, I think that sometimes when you are close to people, you'll make fun of each other from like a lighthearted way. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I'm being completely honest, I I don't think I've ever been fully judged in a very bad way where it really brought me down. I think I've been critical about how I've looked um, in the past. Yeah. But my guess is that many men will be critical of themselves at some point between the ages of 10 and 21. Um, Why 10 and 21? Why that age group? Well, you're changing a lot. Mm -hmm. You're changing and you're very sensitive to those dynamics and you're sensitive to what you're seeing. And those are the ages where you're experiencing different hormones and you're learning about what you like and what you don't like. And society's maybe even shaping that. It's almost like you're most vulnerable Mm -hmm. during that time and again when I say 10 to 21 that's a very wide scope and it probably is way beyond 21 if I'm being honest but I I just feel like there's a lot of volatility in those in those years I mean you're talking middle school high school and college captured in one capsule it's like it's your your identity is information I get that completely it's very it's a very very tender age so what age did it happen for you where you started accepting yourself honestly uh, Probably past college. What was the switch for you? Was it something that just naturally happened or was it something you had to reinforce a bit? I think that for me, it's it's several factors, right? It, my job and my career and the things I'm able to do and the friends I have. And, you know, when you start to really solidify those aspects and pieces in your life and, and you start to really shape your own story, certain pressures and certain insecurities slowly drop off sometimes mm-hmm. or are minimized. Right. And I think that once I settled and, you know, got out of the college environment and I was in a more professional environment on a day-to-day basis, and I guess I'm referring to my job here, that's where I felt that I'm, you know what, I'm, I'm happier. Mm-hmm. And I'd be lying to say, okay, yeah, I'm like fully content. Like I wouldn't change anything in the world because some guys will say that and mask that. And I think that we are still vulnerable in some cases or at some points. So that's why I say in a month or three months or six months, how I view myself could change, how I feel could change. Yeah, Um, ebbs and flow. It ebbs and flows. I love that because I think you're absolutely right. When you put more value and attention to all those pockets of life that give you meaning to life, like friendship, a successful career, something that you're proud of, something that you're respecting, you're, you're so fulfilled that you don't have time to really think about something as simple as your body. I want to speak a little bit about 
hair and height with men. Because in my perspective, that's something that men are very insecure about or mm-hmm. sensitive to. Mm-hmm. You have to have a certain height to be attractive. I've seen on dating apps where people lie about their height and they're shorter. There's a short king movement, which I really love. I also think some men in my friendship groups and family are really insecure about balding really young. So what are your thoughts of why are those two things really tied into that? So great question. I think that a lot of men can be very insecure about height. This is one of the areas where I was just blessed with. I'm 5'11 and I never felt too tall or too short. And that's probably one of the things that have never really crossed my mind and uh, the things I wouldn't change. But I know a lot of people in my immediate family as well that are not as tall maybe and they've mentioned it more than once you know if I was taller I'd be better at basketball or I'd have you know longer strides when I run or whatever it is and then I'll joke back and say well if I had shorter arms I could probably bench better and you know guys talk that sometimes they can speak that way not all of course Um, but I will say that height is a big insecurity that a lot of men can have Uh, you mentioned balding and you know what had I thought about balding early on when you first asked me how comfortable I am, I think I would have changed my answer. Mm. Um, And I just want to be completely raw and transparent about it. I am one who had really thick hair and you knew me. Yeah. Obviously you've known me for over a decade. So I still have hair on my head, but it's not where it was and it's not how it used to look. And uh, it's something that I think about more than once a day, pretty much every time I look in the mirror and it doesn't make me happy, right? It doesn't make yeah. me happy to see it thin and to see myself age. Yeah. And a lot of men can probably identify with that. Do yeah. you think that like you would be less attractive or less beautiful if you if you didn't have any hair? Like, do you think it ties in with your look and with your, just how you present yourself? Yes. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think that I'm probably more attractive with hair, but I... I like seeing myself with hair, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not necessarily doing it for other people because my guess is they're not going to be as critical as I am. I just tend to enjoy having hair on my head and having longer hair or thicker hair just goes well with my facial proportions. Yeah. I've done the the face apps or whatever they're called (laughs) and, you know, without hair. The filter just to see how you would look like. (laughs) Yeah, I I do look like an egg. I feel like now men are, when it comes to our bodies and taking care of it, men are more accepting to having a skincare routine and putting on sunscreen and something. Is this something that you're into? So no, and I'm guilty of that. Okay. And I, I have thought about it for a while. I'm just... I'm going to be honest, too lazy. Okay. Um, I've never had a skincare. It's it's an investment for sure. And you got to dedicate some time in the morning and night. But what are your thoughts with the idea? Like men are conditioned as seen as masculine, rugged, strong. Mm. So taking care of your skin can be seen as superficial and vain. Yes, it it can be seen that way. I think that's very idiotic. Sorry Mm -hmm. um, to say it that way. But I think taking self-care is very important. It doesn't matter what your gender is and, and... even beyond that, I think that you're a human being before anything else and you should be nurturing your skin, your body. And it's just like drinking a lot of water, right? And hydrating yourself. Well, you also have to do other things to augment that. So I respect every man that does have a skincare routine and I'll make a make it a goal of mine. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some tips and tricks because I, I am really big on skincare. What do you love about your body? So we talked about my height. I'll say I've always been very confident about my height yeah. because unfortunately um, you have this emphasis on, hey, tall people are more attractive, which I don't think is true at all. Um, yeah. I think that every individual is beautiful in their own way. I know it sounds so cliche, mm -hmm. but there are some very, very attractive oh, shorter I, I people. I know, yeah, for sure. Guys, so keep that in mind. We talked a little bit about attraction, but do you think tall men are more respected than shorter men? Yes. Why? Unfortunately, it's, I, I think it, it's this very human concept of, you know, looking up and down at someone or something. And then there's this intimidation factor. I really think it goes back to like how humans interact. You know, it, when you see someone who's maybe more petite and smaller, they might be perceived as more easygoing, which is so bad and so dangerous because that's not the case. And every personality is different, right? To close off this conversation, how do you and how can we celebrate our bodies? I think it's continuing to have these discussions with younger generations, to be mm -hmm. honest, because you really want to establish a good foundation in this space. And for us, like for you and I, we're probably having these conversations so late in the game. And we had to come to these realizations in our mid or late 20s. And unfortunately, we did live a few years of insecurity. And for a few years, we were probably lost and um, avoiding certain things. I know I'm going to be honest, maybe when I was in middle school and high school too, I avoided joining the swim team because I didn't look a certain way and I wouldn't have felt very confident amongst those teammates. Mm -hmm. So being able to have these conversations early on in schools, you know, within friend groups, families initiating these conversations, I would say is very, very important. So that was super interesting for me. Oh my goodness, yes. Yeah, Yusuf and I have always been really good friends and I've never really had a conversation mm -hmm. like this with him. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, he just opened up a whole can of worms mm -hmm. if you're talking about hair and height. Yeah. Oh goodness. You know, women, we don't have this view into men's psyches, so we don't know what they feel insecure mm -hmm. about. Like. Losing your hair, I think, is something that's just a natural association with health, like I said. Yeah. So if you're young and you're losing your hair or you don't have hair, you've had alopecia your whole life, you can be looked at as if you're weaker mm -hmm. than the rest of us, genetically or what otherwise, which is totally not true. Yeah. But society can make you feel insecure about something that's beyond your control. I am one of those people who find bald heads very attractive. Okay, we love, <laughs> yay! I have a husband who is completely bald. What's and, attractive about it? It's just like the, the, the head feel? You or? know, to be honest, I think it is. I think like when I touch his head and he's going to kill me. <laughs> he's going to kill knowing me. Knowing him, yeah. Let me good. preface it with this. Just knowing that he has a very beautiful brain underneath. Mm. He is a very, very intelligent yeah. man. He's going for his doctorate. He's a chief innovation officer here in the city. And he's such a creative thinker. And I know what's underneath that skull. Yeah. And my sons, the most beautiful thing in the world about this is my, my sons mimic 
him shaving his head. Aww. Right? So they're like yes. seeing it as normal and beautiful. I love yes. that. Yes. They will grab like a spoon or something and act like they're shaving their heads. Uh, and they have this full head of on. hair. And they, they look at him as such a cool guy. Yeah. Like everything about him is so cool, including this. So it's just a part of his morning routine. So yeah. he shaves his head every day and the boys will do this with their beard. They'll motion as if they're, mm-hmm. you know, shaving shaving up their beard and shaving their heads. And they see it as kind of like a, a honorable thing to do when you become a man. Yeah. So they don't look at it the same way that I love he that. does. Right? And see, I look hope, at your I, smile. Yeah, your I, smile really is so geeking huge. Because I think that's a, the, a perfect way to end this. And like, you're absolutely right. Like, I really hope your boys grow up with that feeling forever and not being like persuaded. It's already there. Yeah. They already Aww. see the bald head as a sign of manhood. Yeah. Strength and beauty. And that's mm-hmm. the same way I see it. We are hardwired to believe that hair is interconnected with our identity and self-expression. And if you are someone that is experiencing hair loss, it's okay to feel that loss and mourn it. Grieving is an important step in self-love and self-care. But know that you're not alone and be gentle with yourself. It's unrealistic to have that goal of being body positive and fully confident about your insecurities. So maybe the best thing is just to be okay with things. I'm sending lots of love to those who have connected with this episode and who are on their hair loss journey. And I hope you join us next week where I talk to folks from the trans community and go beyond the binary. This is your host, Salam Fathayed. Thank you to Nate Imig, our executive producer, Kiri Salinas, our audio production manager, Brett Krasgowski is our web editor. Thank you to our marketing team led by Sarah Lar. Graphics and our wonderful logo is made by Aaron Bagata. Our community engagement coordinator is Mallory Wallace and Dan Reiner handles our social media accounts. And a big, big thank you to our city loving members for making Uniquely Milwaukee possible. If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast and tune in next week for the next episode of Uniquely Milwaukee.